Welcome to Travis Bites. Before we jump into John's interview with Daniela, I wanted to tell you to stay tuned for episode two of the Travis Spooky Special. Each week, we'll release a short episode at the end of the podcast. I invite you to tag along with us as a team of investigators discover why the ghost of William Barrett Travis has been haunting the shop. And now, enjoy this week's podcast. I'm John Travis, and I have the opportunity to sit across from Daniela Melkor, who works uh, with us on the millwork side in the engineering department, and she is the head and supervisor of our engineering department. And I've known you for what, uh, seven years? Eight years eight tomorrow. Years. Thank tomorrow you. is going to be my to- eight year. Tomorrow's eight years? Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> I was talking to Tim. I was like, we need to wait. I was like, maybe wait till. We hit the ten year mark, but then he was like, "Nah, that's how that's how many podcasts like a hundred more, <laughs> 100 than, more between yeah, now and so. then." Well, so thank like, you okay. for eight years. Time has flown by, very and fast. Uh, very glad, of course, to have gotten to know you and continue to know you. Very grateful for everything that you do for us. And as part of this podcast series, I I thank you for taking the time. I just wanted to talk to you about you and kind of your story and where you come from and your experience in working uh, here at Travis and then ask you some questions about the industry and and where you see yourself going over the next few years in your professional development. Perfect. Well, thank you for having me. I know I've been hiding for a while because, like I said, Tim has been asking, but <laughs> I've gotten away a couple of times, so I'm here. So Well, as we get started, we need to know where, where are you from? Talk to me about your family. Uh, are you from San Antonio? Are you from out yes. of town? So I'm from San Antonio, uh, first generation from parents from Mexico, um, pretty much grew up here, um, grew up in a Spanish-speaking h- household. Um, Brothers and sisters? I just have one sister. Um, she's seven years older than me. Oh, wow. So that's you got a big sister. One big sister and mom and dad. And yeah, pretty much grew up here, west side of town. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Thomas Jefferson High School. Okay. Um, Horseman Middle School and uh, Fenwick Elementary. So growing up, what did your did your your dad work? Your mom work? Yes. What was home like? So my mom kind of stayed home for a while, and then she ended up going back to work. She worked at a daycare for like fifteen years, and my dad worked for Holiday Inn for okay. thirty years. Oh wow. He, he retired right before COVID, so December 2019. And growing up, your sister much older, did you friends in the neighborhood, or what was that like growing Uh, up? Well, I grew up in the west west side of town, so (laughs) did not go out a lot. So I stayed a lot uh, at the house, uh, spent a lot of time coloring, doing puzzles, Creative. Watching, yeah, yeah, watching video games, um, playing give video games. Um, I did not watch a lot of TV, but mostly like playing outside. A lot of things that a lot of kids don't do anymore. So, <laughs> so Where, yeah. Where did you end up going to school, college? I stayed home. Um, my intention was to go to UT, but then I was like ran the numbers, and I was like, mm, maybe it would be better to stay home and save a little money. So I ended up staying home. Did not regret a thing because 
a lot of people would say, well, I want the college experience. And now it's like, no, nah, you can still have a college <laughs> experience per se. But um, I spent, um, like I said, I stayed home, saved money. UTSA then? UTSA. I went to school for architecture. Okay. Downtown campus or over there on 1604? Uh, both. So my first two years, I um, did my basics um, and those were at the 1604 campus. And then I finished the basics, uh, and then the four years, um, I went back to the downtown campus and did um, architecture. So what made you pick architecture? So in high school, um, well, not not just in high school, but I, since I was little, I always had like a creative side. I liked drawing, coloring. I liked to figure out um, how things went together, and then went to school and I was like, well, architecture must be a nice profession that I can pursue. Did you enjoy your studies? I did enjoy, uh, enjoy my studies at uh, the architecture school. Um, during school, like high school, uh, the ones that I was not so great at were like the sciences. Those were not my thing, so... Well, it's, um, those, it's important to know what we like and what we don't yes. like. So I was very into like the creative side and the history side. So I was like, do I go for architecture or do I go to like pursue something history? Because I, I love, love, love history. You're married? I am married, yes. And y'all met at UTSA? We did meet at UTSA and back he... in 20. 11. Oh, wow. So, yes. And we've been married for almost five years. And he also works in construction? He does work in construction. <laughs> so it, we, uh, we have those conversations every day and it's like, ah, we just need to stop. This, <laughs> this is all I hear all day. Just construction, construction, construction. So, <laughs> so when you got out of UTSA, what'd you do? So I ended up working for a small remodeling company just a few months. Um, I graduated in 2014, no, 2013. Um, let, me, let me think. So I was working at a daycare when I was in college. I graduated, stayed at the daycare, and then found uh, the construction, the small remodeling company. Didn't last there a while it was weird hours and stuff so I started looking and I came across the old good old Craigslist because there was no indeed back then <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the ad um, on Craigslist and it was about the a draftsman person for the vision openings back then so we met back then so we had the door division then yes. which was vision openings making custom doors and selling them into, what do we do, seven, eight states yes. that were there. And that's right. That's how we met. So we met, uh, and essentially for our door estimates and orders, you were learning to draw at the beginning and then doing it on your own, all the different storefront systems and front door styles. What was that like? I don't even Well, I did not know, even though I went to school, I had no idea how thing, how the real world actually worked in construction, per se. So um, I started um, doing the door drawings. 
which by the way, I almost did not get hired. Really? I did Shame not. On us. Yes. <laughs> Shame so, on us. Now that I remember, um, <laughs> I I'm gonna tell you the story. Oh boy. Um I ended up coming back twice for the interview. Uh-huh. And didn't hear back. I'm like, well, I may not get a call back. So what I ended up doing, I did a drawing of a door from my house. I just did it in my AutoCAD at home. I sent it to Mr. Scott Farber and Mr. Rick. That's right. And then I got a call back. <laughs> and that was here, smart. You took the initiative. Here we are, <coughs> eight years later. Well, that's true. So from drawing doors, and, and you talked about the differences between when you went to school and uh, how construction methods really were. So during that time, you're learning what? Wood species, you're yes, learning uh, the actual joinery. construction. Um, I mean, also, they don't teach you that you need to serve the customer as well. It's not just, oh, you're doing drawings. Like, no, you're actually producing a items. Product. Yes, yeah. a product. And a product like for said, them and yes. a product that actually then means something yes. that we're going to go so make. Now, all these drawings actually mean something. They're not just something that you're just, oh, here you go. Here's a nice, pretty drawing. Like, no, people are actually going to use your drawing uh, for production, um, for customers to approve. And like I said, I did not know exactly how the doors went together, but I had the knowledge from school. Um, I want to say I was detail-oriented, and that helped a lot. So it took a while, and then a couple of years later, I got changed to the um, cabinet department. Yeah, I think we... I think cabinet department needed help, and we were trying to figure out what to do with the door division. And so you started doing some cabinet drawings while you were still doing doors. Isn't that how we did uh, it? Or was it cut and dry? It was cut and dry. Oh, was it? Okay. Yes. Monday, it's Friday, it's one yes. thing. Monday, it's another? Yes, pretty much. So then you get into the cabinets. What was that like? Well, you again, gotta relearn everything, I had I guess. to relearn everything. And not, not only now I had to learn the construction of the cabinets, I also had to learn the software because... That's true. For the um, doors, they were basically line drawings. Like right. I didn't have to use the software that we use for the cabinets for the doors. So again, I'm like, oh, I just got comfortable with the doors, and now I have to. So you're learning to learn microvellum. Yes, the microvellum, right. and it was a lot of hit and go. Like I hope this is correct. A lot of asking questions, um, trying to figure out everything. On your own for the most part, but if you get stuck, yeah, uh, with Mr. Scott, uh, going outside. I spend a lot of time going outside, um, looking at how, how the cabinet is yeah, being done. Because, like I said, now they're actual parts. They're not just... Theoretical. Yes. So Well, in your role today, and you now went from that to having a staff of five people that work for you and with you, uh, to meet these deadlines and create these things. In terms of your job now, you know, for people who are listening, what do you, what do, you, what is the most challenging thing? What do you like the most about what it is that you do? What's the most exciting thing about what you're doing? Uh, I gotta say, challenging is every day. There's something different, <laughs> and you know me now. Like I try to kind of test the water, see what's coming, and Sometimes you can, you just can't control everything. Sure. So I think that's a big challenge. Just so prioritization. So really management 
aspect of what goes first, yep. who does what, who does what, which fire do I need to put out, which yep. things can I put to the side and do something else. Those yep. kind of things mm-hmm. are the most challenging. What's um, I know you, and I know that you enjoy creating things, as you've mentioned. I know you know. Th- I know that you like building things. Uh, what's some of the most fun projects you've been involved with on the design end? Okay, so on that one, uh, when I w- started with the doors, I still remember to this day. I had just started working. It had just been like a couple of months, and I remember Mr. Kirk coming by one day, and he's like, here you go. Here's all these field dimensions. Now we have to build this storefront for the pearl larder. <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember larder? Had that the was glass the that glass was uh, looked old, antique. Yes, we had antique. the samples. We had to get it from Houston, and it's like a twelve-foot-tall unit. Yes, wasn't it? There was like three or four of like them, right? That was like the main big project where I did feel the pressure. Like, oh my god, I have to like really spend it's some still good there. time. Yes, it's still there. <laughs> and every time I pass by with family and friends, I always tell them the yeah. story that that was my first big. Big job that uh, the, they had door, double door units in it, right? Was double that, doors, it? but I guess was there a transom system too yes, above the that, twelve? Because it was yes. really tall. Yes, but I'm doing I think this from I got so <laughs> scared because I had to tell the metal guy where to place the metal studs because when they started doing the remodel, it was just holes. So I was like, "Sweet baby Jesus, like please help me, <laughs> please <laughs> don't put them in the wrong spot. Don't put them in the wrong spot." Um, spent like a couple of weeks doing like the drawings and ordering the glass, all that. And hey, well, that, that sounds just like us. Here yes. you go. Welcome to the family. Yes. Here's this really super fun, big time, fun mm-hmm. time, hard thing to to go mess with. Yep. And look how much you learned. Yep. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> and we you had, did great. We, we had to make some adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> later on but it, it, it's it, beautiful. it worked out and like i said it's it still there out, and yeah. Yeah, there's Pearl's no leaks. proud of it yeah that's right yeah so <laughs> it's still it's still there what's another example a, a, another fun one like that that's a good one uh on the millwork we've I you've guess, done so yes many. so millwork the ones that are always difficult are like restaurants for me they take so much time and there's a lot of the design aspect that is not figured out ahead of time and that's where we come in and we have to do all that fun stuff not just what it's going to look like but yeah, how you're no. actually gonna yes physically make it physically you know. make it uh, convey to the customer like potential issues like this might not work the way that you have it drawn this might be a better way to to um do whatever you're trying to achieve um and like i said they're always a pain but once they're completed and they're installed. They're they're beautiful pieces, and they're there's items that we're gonna see forever. Like once you go to a restaurant, you're gonna be like, now until they the tear pearl. it down, it's gonna be there. Like with the yeah. pearl. Um, um, well, actually, last or seven two, or eight a couple of yeah. weeks ago, we I went with my sister and her husband. We went to Bowlers. Oh, so, Karake. Yes, yeah. Karake. Um, and it's, it's amazing cool. project. Yeah, yeah all the bars like, and everything y'all yes, designed and redesigned and. I texted Veronica and I was like, I'm sitting on your banquet <laughs> oh, right your now. Banquette, yes. Yeah. So it's send her some cool. complaint. No, so <laughs> don't do that. I, I, no, what I think I told her. Um, <laughs> I the, see a the Nick cushion, in the corner. The cushion fits. Oh, we didn't do the cushion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but we provided the templates. <laughs> oh, that's so. true. 
So, <clears throat> so it's pretty it's pretty cool to see things like that. Well, you talked about you know in your path here, starting out being kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool and, and education, what you had to learn, what you took from your degree, and how maybe it got you part of the way, but not all the way, and then. You get in here and you're learning by experience. You're learning through microvellum and some of these other programs. You're learning now managing people and prioritization and uh, dealing with uh, loading and offloading mm-hmm. of people and what that looks like. So in your story is this growth curve. What, what do you see over the next few years in your professional development? What do you what do you see happening? What's your goal? Well, I think there's still a lot of stuff that I need to learn. Not just on the microvellum, but like there's these complicated projects and um, things we haven't even started building. And I'm sure that we're gonna get at some point very difficult to fund projects that we need to learn. But also like on the management side, I guess it's becoming a, a better leader and someone that people look up to and just show them like, hey, it, I know it's hard, but. How do you learn? So technical skills, right? Um, and then these soft skills of management and the like. And I think that's all true. Then, and an attitude of always learning and being teachable. I feel like that's something that's important for me that hopefully I do better than times that I don't, although I waffle. Where are you going to get that information? What are we able to help you? Where do you look to, for example, for um, you talked about management, learning better ways to manage people? Are those things outside of here? Are there mentors here that have helped you in that? Is that how are we helping you do that? How are you learning that? Well, or some of it experience, but a lot of it. I when was it during COVID? I spent a lot of time reading. A, a lot of time. I think I, I read like 65 books <laughs> that year since we couldn't do anything so I couldn't go to work out or whatever so I spend a lot of time reading and I do enjoy like um, motivational podcast um, Mr. Zig Ziglar um, Stephen Covey anything like that um, I, I take a lot a lot from from their teachings so when you unwind you know, there's a lot to do here. Sometimes the season can be stressful. But in the times when you unwind, what do you like doing when you're not here? What are some of your hobbies for everybody that's listening? I think right now, uh, of course, balancing work with my home life and my personal life sometimes gets challenging. Sure. Um, Because like I said, you have to prioritize your time and everyone has the same 24 hours a day. So you have to be very conscious of the decisions that you're making and how you are going to navigate. How much time yes. you're going to spend on this versus that. Mm-hmm. When I'm going to tell it no and walk away, right, and do something for myself rather than work. How do I take somehow, care of myself right, and then I down. still go to work, be a dependable person, uh, but also, like I said, try to take care of myself. So you talked about working out, and sometimes in the hallway I can hear you speaking in a language that I don't yes. recognize. So what, okay, is, what is that? So I am an early bird. I wake up really early, like at 4.30 every day, go to sleep really early, like 9, 9.30. So like I said, again, I'm trying to do all these items at the same time. So I get on the treadmill, and right now I'm very 
into the learning Italian. So, so you're getting up so at four. I am getting you're up. You're doing at your four. workout. I am doing my workout. While you listen to I take Italian. my headphones. Um, that way I don't wake up my husband, and I just go to the garage, set the lessons, and I'm just there like no one's there. So <laughs> I'm repeating and singing or doing the lessons that that I'm currently doing to kind of pick up the language. So you're learning Italian because you just want to pick up Italian or? Well, again, I have the architecture background and um, Italy is like one of the places that everyone needs to go see. So you've been there a couple of times. I went last year for the first time. I see. So and And going back, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, (laughs) but now with the current situation, it's, it's kind of challenging, but we are trying to go so back. Well, hopefully the world calms down and you get an opportunity mm-hmm. to go again. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, as we close here, let me just ask you um, two questions. The first is, uh, as a woman in construction, what has your experience been like? Uh, and what would you tell to, the second question related, what would you tell to... Other young Daniellas that uh, are living on the northeast, west, or south side of San Antonio or other places, what would you tell them about uh, the career, the possibilities? Uh, what would you say? The main thing I think I would tell anyone, just not just women it, or guys too, it, it doesn't matter where you grew up, where you came from. Like the decisions, they all come from you. So you create your own path. Like. Y- just because you grew up in a certain place or you grew up a certain way, that does not make you take certain roads that you might think, that, oh, okay, this is my destiny. No, sir. Like this, like you are in control of your own destiny. So that's the main thing. And then for construction, just don't be afraid. I mean, <laughs> you just, as women, I feel like sometimes we do know a little more than men so i know this industry can be intimidating at at times especially all of the main people are older men they have a lot of experience and then it could get intimidating to get there like as a young woman and but you just have to keep at it don't take it personal that's the other thing don't take it personal Um, everyone's busy everyone's trying to do their jobs accomplish things. So if for some reason people aren't as nice to you, it's there's always something behind it. It's not because they you don't, don't know like what you. Happened yes. that morning. You don't know what their experience was before they got here. I mean, is it true that some people are in general not pleasant? Yes. However, yes. I agree with you. I, I found that m- most people, if there's, they're disgruntled or maybe they're angry or maybe they're you know, stressed out, Oftentimes, you have no idea what happened 10 minutes ago yep, you or don't what's know if weighing they on got them. got an ugly call or if they have sure. stuff going home, back home, like Correct. personal. Yeah. Like, or they're sick. You know, yeah, they're or not they're feeling sick, well. they're not feeling well, yeah. and they're still here. Um, but I think that's the only, the other main thing. Don't take it personal and don't be afraid. I mean, I know here we all, sometimes we all, we butt heads. We If I have a bad day, the next day... You might have a bad day, and it's like, oh, okay. T- going to be okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. So, Well, thank you for eight wonderful years and more to come. More thank, to come, yes. Thank you for your experience and, and your help. 
and uh, very grateful for getting to know you, and, and I hope others now have a chance to know you better as well. So thank you. Thanks for sitting down thank with me. Thank you, and thank you for having me, and let me see. Let me see what I can say in Italian. Uh, grazie mille per questa invitazione al podcast di Travis Millwork. <laughs> thank you very much for having me at, at your podcast, at your Travis Millwork podcast. <laughs> thank you, Daniela. Thank you, John. Welcome to the Travis Spooky Special. If you're just joining us, be sure to check out our previous episodes at traviscompanies.com slash podcasts. That's podcast with an S. And now, enjoy episode two, a key piece of evidence. In the days following the incident, more interesting events began popping up. For instance, the ghost of William Barrett Travis remained almost enraged by the sudden disappearance of the desk. His cackles and ghostly noises could be heard throughout the building by various individuals in many departments, both on the shop floor and in the office. Sometimes later in the day, near closing time, smoke billowed out from underneath the door to the special project's room. Our investigators questioned the suspects again. Eric the engineer claims that during his frightful encounter, the ghost asked, Where's the key? But Eric seemed in a hurry to get to a scheduled family event. After he left, Daniela noticed a projector piece they had designed for a separate project had gone missing. Frank, the facilities manager, seemed to maintain the same habits as he did before. However, he tended to avoid the area by the special project storage altogether. When asked about why this was, his response had been what anyone would expect. He was simply frightened to be in that area on his own. When asked about whether he'd heard anything regarding a key, he flatly said he had it. Well, in his own vernacular. Ernest the Estimator found it very difficult to work, as he claimed he heard the voice of W.B. Travis while working in the office, something pertaining to a key. Soon he was working from home every day in order to avoid any more frightful encounters. However, Jim did notice that he sounded noticeably happier since the disappearance of the desk. Patty the Purchaser remained on site and in her office working with Jern, the IT company, to try and fix the damage that was done to her electronics after what had happened the week before. Upon further investigation, IT discovered that all files with the word key were copied. In order to address the consistent spooky encounters, John Travis thinks it's necessary to hold a company meeting. During this meeting, he confirms to the employees that the desk was indeed stolen. However, not all of the parts to it have been taken. He then asks Kathy to place a key into the safe room. Unbeknownst to everyone else, the investigation team is waiting in the safe room to see who might come and take it. After a few hours of waiting, this lead seems to be a dead end, until suddenly the door begins to creak open and a figure appears in the doorway. Who could possibly be in the doorway? Why is this key so important? Text your predictions to 833-456-3588 in order for a chance to win a prize. Join us next week on The Travis Spooky Special.